Well, good morning, church. Uh, that's what I think is so cool about, uh, excuse me, as I open up my iPad. That's what I, that's what I, I, I see is so cool about just uh, the Lord and uh, our relationship with him, right? It's not based or bound on any of these exterior things you know we could be doing this and we don't we don't need a building we don't need slides we don't need a bluetooth speaker we don't need ipads all we need is just the word of god as long as we have the word of god and the holy spirit is is uh you know influencing us and helping us to rightfully divide the word then in that we have everything that we need so you know this is uh this is a, a beautiful thing uh that we as part of the Lord's body continue to meet. Um, I know it's been a difficult week for many people, so please continue to keep those in prayer that uh, could not be here this morning for whatever reason. There's many uh, or several people that are still fighting off uh, illnesses and uh, trying to get better, get their strength back. So we're definitely praying for them. Um, you know, it's been an interesting week across the board. You got all the stuff going on in Afghanistan and, and all the ramifications of what that means for uh, the entirety of the world. You got the situation that's going on uh, with, uh, with, with things being shipped. And, and that's why there's such a backlog and, and, and people not being able to get, uh, they were saying on the news last night, something as simple as a styrofoam cup for uh, coffee. All those stuff, are, you know, a lot of that stuff are backlogged, uh, you know, to-go boxes, things like that, because all that stuff that's coming from China. I said, I think they said, Something like last year it was uh, twenty five hundred dollars, you know, to uh, you know ship uh, these these uh, these big ships containing all this cargo, and now it's jumped this year to twenty thousand dollars, and so you know twenty five hundred to, to to twenty grand that's a big jump, and so you know even with you know people that are gamers and into all that or even uh, GM, you know the computer chips, the shortage. You know, I've been wanting to get my hands on a PS5 for the longest time. They keep telling you, oh, I can get it here, get it here. And then, you know, you got all these bots buying them up by the tons and then they resell them for a thousand dollars. You can't get them, you know, all this little stuff. It was interesting, though. The gentleman who was being interviewed on the news, he clearly said this is unprecedented for the entire world. This is something that the whole world is caught off guard by. And so us as Christians in our word, we shouldn't be caught off guard because these are, again, signs of the time signs of things to come you know in regards to babylon and the world system right that spirit of 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 heavily relying upon economics and all that to fulfill you that system is going to get worse and worse and worse as time goes on um you know we we meet myself and my wife we kind of had a tough week as well she uh someone that she knew uh you know from younger days, I think uh, Milpitas High, maybe even a, a little younger, he passed away or passed on, excuse me. Uh, he died, I believe, in a car crash on Tuesday. And uh, then yesterday morning, I talked to, uh, again, a, a friend of mine, personal friend of mine that I've known for a very long time. And one of our friends had passed away yesterday from some kind of uh, infection or viral respiratory thing. So I don't know if that's COVID related or whatnot, but uh, please, I know you guys already do, but please keep our household in, in, in your prayers as well. And I'm sure you guys as well are going through stuff because that's what's going on. That's what always goes on right underneath the sun. And that's why it's so important for us to keep our, 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 our foundation rooted in Christ. Because when you go through stuff, you know, 
the word is going to get you through and you're going to be okay. You're going to be far better off than those who are going through stuff and they just literally fall apart. You may feel like you're falling apart, but the Lord is, uh, you know, got you and he's, he's, he's keeping you. Amen. Um, before I, uh, I read, uh, the, the scripture this morning, I, I want to, um, I want to just share a quick thought and, and I, and I really believe the Lord impressed this upon me. Uh, Daniel had sent me a quote earlier in the week and I, I really believe that this is going to set the tone for the message today. And it, and it should set the tone always. It's a, it's a quote from, uh, A.W. Tozer. And he said, I do not want the world to define God for me. I don't even want religion to define God for me. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal God to me through the exceedingly great and precious promises He has given to me. End quote. And I just thought that was so powerful because we are in a day and age right now, and it's always been that way, but again, in a more extreme sense where there are so many voices clattering and chattering and trying to pull you this way and pull you that way. And if we don't have the proper discernment from the Holy Spirit, dare I say, even some of those who claim to be Christian and claim the name Jesus Christ may give you counsel that is not from God. Maybe of their own opinion, maybe of their own understanding, but it's not from God. You see, there's a lot of things going on in our country right now. You know, you got all these different movements. You got this whole Christian nationalism where they're mixing following Christ with an agenda of trying to catapult the country in a certain kind of way. Now, first, let me let me make a disclaimer before I, I go any further. You know, I, I'm, I'm in no way uh, uh, attacking what our country stands for as far as what this country has been founded on and, and, and the blood that's been shed for those who fight desperately to preserve the freedoms of our country. You guys know all the stuff going on in, in Afghanistan and, you know, how, uh, you know, this administration dealt with this situation. And, you know, we're not going to get into all that, whether it was going to happen now or later. Uh, it's just what's going on are, are signs of, of, of things that are happening. And, you know, the interesting thing is whether it's uh, this Christian nationalism or you got the whole uh, LGBTQ movement, right? Every, everyone's got a movement right now. You got the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, the reality is this. When we begin to add anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it becomes a false teaching. It becomes false doctrine. You see, it's interesting if you, and this was brought to my attention yesterday I was as I was talking to my good friend, you know, because I found myself frustrated. I found myself frustrated and, and asking the Lord, Lord, what, what's going on? Why, 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 do I, why do I feel like I continue to see these things and, and, and I just feel alone, like no one's understanding what's going on? And the Lord had to <laughs> gently, you know, rebuke me in the sense of, Keefing, there are real churches. There are real Christians. Uh, the things you're seeing are, 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 not, are not, um, not uncommon to man. And he had to bring me back to what Jerusalem went through and the religious leaders. And I'll bring it back to 
the whole Christian nationalism. This is, there's nothing new under the sun. The book of Ecclesiastes is clear that what's going on today, it may be to a different extreme, but these things have already occurred. The idea, the concept, right? Men want power, control, you know, oppress people who have not. That, that, that's, that's always gone on. But you have this idea when you look back at the Old Testament, and this, isn't this what the Sadducees and the Pharisees were so involved in? They were so steeped in their nationalism. They were so steeped in their identity of their heritage as a Jew. I am a Jew. I am not a Gentile. And they try to mix that nationalism with the Messiah. And it did not work. It did not work. And Jesus said, I came to set you free. I came to fulfill the law, not to, not to uh, abolish it or condemn it. And, and they, couldn't, they couldn't deal with that. It was very frustrating for them. It was very hard for them to understand and, and, to, and to believe. And, you know, even um, the other day as, you know, me and Daniel were, were kind of talking about this whole idea and what's, what we see going on in front of us real time. And he brought to my attention, yeah, even in Jonah. Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? You know, he first, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm not going to Nineveh. I, I, I hate those people. I wish you would just wipe them off the face of the earth. They're wicked people, Lord. Destroy them all. But isn't that like our, our loving father that he said, no, I have compassion upon them. He, he's given them another chance and he wanted to use Jonah and position him in a way that these people could w- witness and understand the salvation message through Jonah and get saved. And so you, we all know what happens, right? Jonah's a prototype of Christ, and he's in the, 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 the fish for three days and whatever, spit onto the, the land, and he gives the message. But then after the message, what happens? Oh, man, Jonah's not jumping up and down. He's not excited for these Ninevites. He's sitting under that tree or that leaf, and he's grumbling, and he's complaining, and he has a bitter spirit, and he's so he's so. He's so stuck on his Jewishness that he lost sight of the great work that was done through him that the Lord did. And so you, we, see, we even see a prophet being rebuked in that manner. And so you fast forward to our time, and I, and I bring this up, and I'm trying to set the tone here because, you know, we, we have to be aware. We have to have the, the discernment given by the Holy Spirit, you know, because... There are a lot of people being led astray. There is an apostate church that is growing and growing because people are not spending time in the word. They're not spending time communing with the Lord. <laughs> they're, they're, they're boasting up a man, right? They're, they're, they're putting their hope in some pastor. And, and that's, that's not right. It's all bad news. I mean, again, you look at the news and you see it. It's... Every race has got some kind of heritage month. And I, and I get it. But, you know, we get so enamored with, well, I'm this. And black pride and brown pride and whatever, whatever. You, get, you, get, you got the Proud Boys movement and all that. But it's like, man, you guys are, 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 I'm not speaking of you. I'm speaking of the people that engage in this type of behavior. It's an undertone of, of bitterness there. And it's rooted in, in hurt and pain. And there's hate that comes from that, you know? I mean, you look at the, the people that, you know, are, are upset about the mask, no mask with the schools, t- you know, parents. I get it. If you don't want to wear the mask, don't wear the mask. You know, don't have your child wear the mask, but you don't got to go attacking these teachers, you know, cursing at them, spewing hate, getting in physical altercations with people over a little piece of cloth. It is what it is. Do what you feel is right, I guess, in your own eyes, but 
you can already tell if you're walking with the Lord, you know, man, that ain't right. What does Jesus say? Love your enemies. How you doing about that today? How you doing when it comes to loving your enemies? You see, because it hits home. It's not just the broader world or the broader parts of our country that are going through this. You know, praise God, we live in an area of the world or the area of this country where, you know, that stuff isn't widespread. But then we got the other stuff. You know, it's everybody can do everything. You can be, say, whatever sex you want to be in school and go into that bathroom and it's all good. And the teacher's got to call that person. Oh, you're Sarah, but you really want to be Bobby. But I, I, I got I, I to call you Bobby for fear of uh, I'm not giving you the rights you need. And so, you know, we're dealing with our own situation with, with how liberal things are and how loosey-goosey it is in our area, in our neck of the woods. The bottom line is this. We need to understand that we can't live in the past as Christians. You know, a lot of people are on this kick. And, and, and like I said, unfortunately, this, 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 this thought or this, this temperament has crept into the church. And, and a lot of people, a lot of churches are like, I want to go back to the good old days. Or they don't, they don't want to speak on these topics. They want to keep it easy peasy. Oh, yeah, let's just. And Proverbs is a great book. Psalms is a great book. You know, but you know what? We need to get into the meat and potatoes of the scripture. We can't be afraid. You know, and that's why we're going through the book of Revelation, because it's something that the Lord wants to reveal to us. It's something to bless us, not to curse us. But the point being is, you know, we cannot live in the past. We cannot live in the past trying to relive the golden age of this country. The news flashes. I'm pretty sure you are sensible people. You all understand we're never going back to the way things were. You understand that, right? It's not going to be the way it was. I would love for it to be the way it was. But because the stopwatch on God's clock has never stopped, he said a long time ago, the prophet said a long time ago, he's at the door. We don't know when he's going to turn that knob and come in. We need to be ready, spotless and blameless before him because he's coming back for his bride. And that is us, the church. And, 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 and the Lord gave me this understanding with the old scripture that when, he, when Jesus talked about, you cannot put new wine in old wineskins because the old wineskins, they can't contain the new wine, the fresh work. They're going to burst. And you got a lot of people that are holding on to old wineskins. And the Lord is like, man, how I desperately want to do a new work in and through you. But you're holding on to the past. You're holding on to yesteryear. You're trying to relive what already happened. What went down in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, early 2000s, it's done. You know, we are on a trajectory where it's going to get Way more many than this. I'm telling you, this whole thing of I don't want to wear a mask. I want to wear a mask. That's going to be child's play to what we are going to be experiencing if the if the Lord allows us to live and see what's going to happen. It's going to get raw. We need that discerning voice from God so we can be able to differentiate between the voices of confusion that are always trying to creep in on us as followers of Christ. May we truly follow Christ and love our enemies instead of embracing a grumbling, complaining spirit. We are called to pray for our enemies. We are. We're called to pray for our enemies, not to complain about them. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time when you have to dust your feet and leave the situation. I understand that. But again, 
in the context of Scripture, we, we have to take that as a case-by-case measure. But we, we should continue to pray for, for those that are lost because uh, we've been given that uh, authority to be the reflecting light of Jesus Christ in the world. So with that, we're just going through two verses. I was like, I was all ambitious, man, earlier in the week. I said, oh, yeah, Revelation chapter 1, 4 through 8. <laughs> I started studying this like there's no way, and I go long as it is, there's no way that we're going to get through that in, in, in the time that we have this morning. So with that, if you would stand, if you can, and you're able to, we're going to go through Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I know that was a little bit of a long-winded introduction, but I, I really sense that, that it was poignant to kind of get that across because I think it sets the framework for understanding the text that we're going to be in this morning. And so it reads, John... To the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Verse 5. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we Thank you again for just the opportunity to come together as a part of your body and, 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 and be in fellowship with not only you, but with one another. Lord, we desperately want to hear from you this morning. Please bring your text alive and show us how all of these things apply to our lives today. May you do a work in our hearts that allows us to receive your word and to apply it to our lives. Help us to see it applicable. Help us to see it work work in and through us. Father, we thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Last week, we we learned much about the rich blessings uh, when Jesus Christ reveals himself to mankind. That is is what's gone on. But we know uh, in his entirety of his glory, he will reveal himself when he returns uh, for his church and also to judge the world. Again, yes, we see the finality of his righteous judgment upon all people. We also learn how it is to be blessed if we read, if we hear, and if we understand and keep the things that are found in the book of Revelation. There's a rich blessing for you as a follower of Christ. So it's not to be afraid or intimidated by the book of Revelation. You should truly embrace it because there is so much for you to glean from and to apply to your own life. Today we will look at the Apostle John's introduction to the seven churches. And this is, uh, this is something that Christ himself is going to share uh, through John to these churches. So this is directly from Jesus Christ. We will also see that Jesus Christ's return is imminent. I know people mock it. People say, oh yeah, you Christians can keep on saying Jesus is going to come back. Where is he? And, and the word says that. People will mock. People will mock. People will, will, will doubt and deny that Christ will return, but be beware that He is coming. He is coming. How at that time, no eye, no eye, no person will be able to deny His existence as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. As is custom with our studies, we have several main points, and the first one is this. The true church of Jesus Christ sits in a unique position to receive God's favor and love. That's you and that's me. The true church, right? No gimmicks. No big old entertainment to lure people in. No, we need all these extra books. 
<laughs> no, we, we need all these other tricks and gimmicks. Just the church, just people who are trying to seek Jesus Christ and glean from his word. You sit, I sit in a unique position of God's favor and love. You see, though it is true that from the onset of creation, God has shown peace and grace to all of mankind. But aside from the children of Israel, the, the, the instruments that he chose as his special possession to uh, show how he operates, aside from the ch children of Israel, the church is in a unique position to receive God's favor, peace, mercy, and grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, tell us this. And it says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Man, that's deep. <laughs> the Lord says that you and I, we're no longer strangers of him. We're no longer aliens, meaning we don't, uh, you know, we don't identify with him, but we are we are called citizens and, and saints, members of the household of God. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets of Jesus Christ himself. And we grow together as a holy temple for the Lord. What, what does the Lord say? He, he dwells in what? Does he dwell in temples or does he dwell in, 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 in human bodies nowadays? He dwells in human bodies. The Holy Spirit's living in you. And so that's what I was talking about. I mean, whatever. It's We're blessed. To be able to to to, to 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 you know come here and fellowship and you know the price isn't outrageous and it, you know it is what it is but you know what hey what happens when Santa Clara County says you can no longer preach Jesus Christ and they're going to come on a whatever a witch hunt well you know that well we're out of here we'll do what we got to do you know I, I mean we'll do what we got to do but we are the church us the people you know. And, and when you look at one another, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. And you see that radiance through the Holy Spirit. And, and hopefully you see that through your actions and how you treat one another and the love that's shared. Even in disagreements, right? You know we can, we're going to have disagreements. But there should be that commonality of, you know what, we have one cause. And it's to honor and love Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to give grace to my brother. I'm going to give grace to my sister. So well as it's not something that's sacrilegious or, you know, <laughs> totally off base. And then, you know, now we're going to have to figure it out and in prayer, <laughs> get one another back on the right track. But you see that here. That's a great promise of, of the church. As we uh, will learn in upcoming messages, not only does the church hold a unique position of peace and grace in Christ, but also a great responsibility you see that we can't ignore uh we are called to be faithful witnesses of his glory and that's why it's so important what we what we uh you know express here or what whatever is expressed here it's implemented in your day-to-day -day life right because in your sphere of influence you have so much opportunity i have so much opportunity to reflect the love of jesus christ to those around us and also warn people you know, we, we hinge on the love so much, but there's also the very important uh, principle of warning of the wrath to come because it's not going to be.
be good for anyone when the Lord comes back in a righteous judgment against uh, you know, the people of this world that have chose to rebel against him. And so take it seriously, your responsibility to live honorably for the Lord and how you share Christ with those around you. Amen. All right. The second main point is this. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead, symbolizing his ultimate authority and kingship. Again, once, once again, we see the importance of context here, right? As we read scripture, because the text says firstborn from the dead. Yet Jesus Christ is not a created being. And that's something that atheists and people that don't believe in the oneness of God, they're going to attack that and say, you see, he's a firstborn. He's a firstborn. They just go off of that, but they don't understand. Yes, he was born, but from a virgin birth only because his, his coming to the earth and being a perfect sin sacrifice for mankind was the method that was chosen in, in, in eternity past by the Trinity. That's God the Father the Holy Spirit and God the Son, right? Uh, Before the foundations of the earth. That was the only way that mankind could be saved. First born from the dead represents Jesus' ultimate authority in being the first, being preeminent above all. Uh, The one who is in full command and control over life and death itself. You know, this this principle, it also alludes, it's also alluded to in our last verse that we won't get to today, but Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And the third main point for us this morning is this. All believers, all people who become children of God, adopted into his kingdom, adopted into his family, are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you see, many unbelievers and even some Christians wonder, why blood? What does this deal with blood and God? Is he bloodthirsty? Does it come from some pagan religion? You know, and then there's some that, 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 you know, try to put out stuff like, oh, you know, sin's not a big deal to God. He didn't want, and it it gets kooky. Again, that's why I talk about you got to be able to discern what you read. And this is because it's coming from people that profess to be Christians. Saying, oh, that's where I got that from. It's all from some old pagan religion and rituals it's not about the it's not about jesus shedding his blood but they fat they fail to factor in the entirety of the bible and how sin breeds death gives birth to death not only spiritual but physical death they fail to see leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 where it says for the life of the flesh is in the blood and i have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. You see, all the various sacrifices and principles of atonement are shadows of Christ's ultimate sacrifice for mankind. And so the reason why the shedding of blood was required in the sacrificial systems is because Christ had to lay down his life in obedience to the Father. That's the only way. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't that, you know, Christ needed to lay down his life because there were going to be animal sacrifices. No. The animal sacrifices were a prototype, if you will, of his ultimate sacrifice. And then people would ask, well, well, then why did Christ really shed his blood? And it's because the voluntary laying down of his life was the total expression of love to God the Father. It was the only way. It was the only way that men could be right. Women, children, humanity could be right before God. If he would take that brunt of it upon himself because he was the only one who was pure 
and clean enough to. He was the only one who was perfect. And it takes a perfect sacrifice to appease the characteristic of a vengeance and the wrathfulness of a jealous God, of a holy God. And so Jesus Christ gave all to the Father, even his own life. And so that's why we don't take the blood of Jesus Christ as commonplace. We're not infatuated with blood. It's not about that. But you know what? If there was any other way that, that, that God could have saved mankind, he would have did it. They already tried in the Old Testament, and it was like a Band-Aid on an open wound. It really didn't work. All right, so let's just go ahead now, and let's just unpack these two verses. This is where we're going to st- spend excuse me, the rest of our time this morning. I'll read them again. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's a great title. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. It's interesting because just in those first two verses, you see all kind of titles thrown out about who Christ is. Oh, man. I mean, it's off the hook. He, he, he's addressed in so many ways. And this is to, this is to proclaim his preeminence, that he's above all, that he is holy. He's set apart. He's righteous. And he deserves those titles for who he is. And the first thing that we see here is that, again, John addresses seven churches that were in Asia. Before we even go on to any of that in the churches, we won't get to that this morning, but, but the first thing that, 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 that stands out to, as I see, as I look at that number seven, the first, in the first two verses, we see a mention of uh, seven churches and seven spirits. We have to understand uh, the significance of the number seven, the symbolic meaning in the word of God. But you see, in our society, it's a total afterthought. They don't really think of the number seven as anything, with the acceptance of gambling. <laughs> gambling, oh man, lucky number seven. Got to get that seven. So, you know, gambling, they're into all that, you know, numerology and, and su- superstitions, if you will. That seven is a lucky number. That's a good number. But when you look into the word of God, the number seven is prominent. And it it represents something. It represents completion and in some instances, perfection as God is perfect. Um, Here are just a few examples from scripture where we see the number seven prominent. So uh, the Sabbath back in the day, the Sabbath circumcision, right? And, and, And the worship of that, how they did that. It all hinged around the seventh day. Uh, If you look back and you think about Jericho and when they marched around, right? They marched around seven times before the walls fell. Uh, you, you guys remember Naaman? Naaman was like, I'm proud. I'm Naaman. <laughs> I, I deserve to be healed in some miraculous way because I am, I'm, I'm a proud man. Don't you know who I am? I'm not going to dip in myself in that dirty, disgusting river. That's how you're telling me I'm going to get right with God? How I'm going to be healed? Naaman was instructed to dip seven times in the Jordan River. Joseph, when he was in Egypt, remember, there were seven years of plenty. There were seven years of famine. Our good old boy, King Nebuchadnezzar, he went insane in the wild, clucking like a chicken, you know, pecking. I mean, I don't, you know, he just went mad. He went insane, right, for seven years. I can't even imagine, you know, 
becoming like an ostrich. But he was doing that for seven years. Uh, you know, there are seven Beatitudes in the New Testament. Uh, there are seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. There are seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. Seven loaves of bread, of bread excuse me, fed the multitude. And Jesus himself spoke seven different times from the cross. I think you get the picture here, right? Uh, seven is a key number in the Bible, and in the book of Revelation in particular, it has a significant meaning. Uh, and, and we will see that as, as the book unfolds as we continue our study. Um, back to the seven churches that are in Asia. The letter was originally addressed to these seven selected churches of Asia. This was the Roman providence of Asia, and uh, which is a part of modern Turkey today. But when you, know, you think about this, as we go through, and we will get, Lord willing, we will get into all these different churches, you're going to see a little bit of every church in us. And, and that's kind of how you know, we're, we are to look at the scope of this. Yes, particularly, uh, this was written to those specific churches, but when you see the overview, you could see characteristics of all these different churches, if we are honest and we, you know, allow the Lord to examine us, we could see ourselves at times, man, unfortunately, we probably are acting lukewarm in some instances like Laodicea, or we are doing good like Philadelphia and we do have that love or, you know, the Lord's going to say to us, man, you know, you're, you're, you're doing all these things, but you forgot your first love, return to your first love. So, uh, you know, I encourage you to, you know, really Look circumspectly at the scriptures and allow the Lord to speak to your heart because, you know, you're going to you're going to see these things. I know the Lord's showing me that <laughs> just in my own personal life. He's like, you know, don't think you're, a, uh, you know, uh, these things can't be said of you. And so we need to be aware when these things are addressed to us in scripture. Um, again. Next, we see from from him who is and who was and who is to come. John brought a greeting from God, the father who is described with this title, who is, who was, and who is to come, speaks of the eternal nature of God. You see, it has the idea of God being a timeless being, living outside of space and time, not bound by three dimensions like us. And it's connected with the name Yahweh found in the Old Testament. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 6, verse 3, and also Exodus chapter 17, verse 15. The concept of who is, who was, and who is to come is or was i should say intentionally awkward in the ancient greek language it seemed that john searched for a phrase to communicate the old testament idea of yahweh this this idea of timelessness that he's beyond space and time it's even awkward for us today in the sense of you really can't grasp your mind i can't grasp my finite mind around the fact that god is lives outside of space and time right he can't he, he i mean and we can't i should say uh, we can't truly comprehend it fully. We'll, we will understand it better when we are with him face to face in heaven. But until that time, um, you know, we just have to trust and have faith that he is who he says he is in that way. Um, because it's never enough just to say that God is or just to say that he was or just to say that he is to come. As Lord over eternity, he rules the past, present and the future. I mean, that's just again, it hurts my brain really trying to comprehend it the best the the best analogy or illustration i can give is he's on the top of 
uh, you know, a 25-story building and there's a parade going on and he sees the behind the scenes of the parade. He sees the parade at the beginning. He sees the parade in the middle and he sees all the processions and everything going on at the end of the parade. It's probably a silly illustration, but that's the way my mind works. That's the only way I can compute what's actually going on here as he shares this. In fact, uh, again, the, the title Yahweh describes the triune God the oneness of one God in three persons. Yet it seems that John focused on God the Father with this title because he specifically mentioned God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in the following words of this verse. From, and that is, from the seven spirits who are before his throne. But see, again, we have to understand context or it just gets real funky, it gets real messy. People start coming up with some weird ideologies about what the scripture is saying. And they just take it into this far off tangent than it doesn't need to be. You see, John brought a greeting from God, the Holy Spirit, who is described with this specific title. Seven spirits who are before his throne. Well, whose throne? (laughs) Jesus's throne. Right. It's speaking to the perfection and completeness of the Holy Spirit. John used an Old Testament description of the Holy Spirit. The idea of seven spirits is quoted from the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And that verse reads, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You see, it isn't that there are seven different spirits of God, but rather the Spirit of God has these specific characteristics and that he has them in all fullness and perfection. Next, we see this statement from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Again, John brought a greeting from God, the son who is described by who he is and what he has done. Jesus himself is the faithful witness. He witnesses of himself. He did this many times in the Old Testament. He spoke about who he was. He testified of himself. He shared even that the word testifies of him. All of the scriptures point to him. He is the faithful witness because he did not falter. He did not deviate. He did not sin. Never once one time. He was pure in his motives he was pure in what he did. You see, there are many people nowadays that are doing things for the Lord. They're doing many works for the Lord. But you see, when we go before the Lord, we will go before the Bema seat, not the great white throne judgment. And, and before the, the, the Bema seat is where our works will be tested. Whether to see what we did was genuinely for God or genuinely for ourselves. And that's why, again, discernment is so important. We must remember, you know, the first fallacy of a of someone who's a false teacher is they want the adoration and they want the praise of people like i said don't ever put me on a pedestal because it's never going to work i'm a flawed human being and i will always fail you in that regard and so we are to always understand that it is only jesus christ who deserves that place he is the faithful witness This speaks of Jesus' utter reliability and faithfulness to his Father and to his people, even unto death, even unto death upon a cross where he had to shed his blood so that we would receive the remission of sins. The ancient Greek word 
Greek word, excuse me, translated witness is also the word for martyr. And that's what he was, the very first one, the prominent savior of this world. First born from the dead. Okay, we see this again. It, it, again, it speaks of Jesus' standing as preeminent among all other beings, that he's first in priority. First born from the dead means much, much more than just Jesus was the first person resurrected. It also means that he, has a, he is preeminent, meaning all power and authority among all those who are, who are or will be resurrected. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 tells us, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Wow, that's a... Uh, that's a trip. <laughs> you're actually, he's not only he's your savior, but he's actually your brother. Wow. That's a big brother I would never mess with. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever you want me to do, you want me to clean up those socks up, I'm going to it. I'm not pulling no fast ones with you. But that's, that's just, that's amazing. Again, that shows us the, the, the magnitude and the depth of the love that God has for us. That he would be willing to call us made from dirt. <laughs> brothers of his one and only son you see the use of firstborn does not mean that jesus had a birth date uh, and is therefore a created being and not god the ancient rabbis called yahweh himself the firstborn of the world rabbi also is used firstborn as a messianic title you can read about that in exodus chapter 4 verses uh, verse 22 where god said as I made Jacob a firstborn, and so I will also make King Messiah a firstborn. Also, Psalm 89, verse 27 talks about that. Jesus is the ruler over all kings of the world. That's kind of the next part of the phrase that we see here. Uh, before the book of Revelation is over, Jesus will take dominion over every earthly king. At the present time, Jesus rules a kingdom, but this kingdom is not of this world, right? Where is, where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, right? What is he doing? He's interceding. He's praying for us and, 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 and wanting us to, you know, uh, be faithful in our calling to him. This greeting with its mention of, uh, with its mention of each, each person of the Trinity, we will see how the New Testament presents the doctrine of the Trinity. It doesn't necessarily define it in some kind of systematic theological way. It simply weaves the truth of the Trinity in that there is one God in three persons throughout the fabric of the New Testament. The application for us is simply this. As the church, we should be the first one to recognize Christ's authority and willfully submit every area of our lives to him. That's, that's, that's the bottom line. If you recognize that Christ is king and ruler, savior of your life and Lord, we need to just submit. Um, I think of when is the last time we've actually been still before the Lord? You see, like I alluded to earlier, there's a lot of busybodies in the church right now. A lot of people doing a whole lot of stuff, you know. Uh, but where, where's, where is the honor and the glory going to? Are, 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 are people moving around doing stuff because they want to honor the Lord? Or are they doing stuff because they want to be honored themselves? Many times we just need to sit and be still and hear from the Lord. What does he say? Be still and know that he is God. And sometimes 
you know, especially right now with all the clamor and the chatter going on, I find myself, I have to be still and sit and let the Lord minister to me instead of getting wrapped up in reading Apple News and finding all these stories about all this madness going on. Because you can get sucked into that stuff, right? And it just drains you. And the Lord's like, keeping sit and be still and know that I'm God. Even in a situation like this, you know, you could still be blessed by the Lord if you're obedient, right? The overarching theme may be this land is uh, beginning to see the ramifications of uh, of sin and wickedness. And that maybe that's why we're in severe drought. Maybe that's why you got fires burning out of control regardless. Even though it's the natural course of life, the stuff is out of control. You got all these people talking about stuff that's totally kooky and not right. And, and again, we're calling evil good and good evil. But you know what? If you, in your sphere of influence, you and your family are like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to be blessed. And, then by, and by that, I mean, what does the Lord say? Do you have clothes on your back? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have water to drink? We're in a drought. You still got water. You're blessed. You got food in your belly. Oh, man, you got the peace and the joy of Christ every single day, even though you see all this wickedness going on around. You see, America may be getting judged by now, but if you're a true follower of Christ, there's that hedge of protection that's still around you. You know, and the Lord's like, I'm faithful to you. I'm faithful to my remnant wherever you are, whether it's America, South America, China, wherever. If there's a remnant, he's going to be faithful to you. But you may see all around you, man, the world's falling apart. It's crumbling because of the wickedness of men. And they will be judged for their deeds. The reality is this. When, when we don't live and submit to him and we live and act purely out of our own selfish desires, we are living in disobedience to the one true righteous God. We are actually storing up for ourselves punishment if we don't repent. And that's the sad thing is, is that it's unfortunately many people don't understand their rebellion against the true and living God, they're just storing up wrath. Man, they're just storing up wrath. It's like the, it's like the child that continues to, 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 to lie and, you know, oh, yeah, I'm doing great in school and, you know, progress reports come home and they're somewhere in the backpack or, you know, they throw them away and, you know, report card, oh, man, got to get to the mailbox first, mom and dad can't, you know, and, and then when, when it hits the fan and they finally find out, it's like, this whole time you've been lying to me and this is what this is what you've been doing in school oh man it's like they you know you know i don't want to say it, but they got something to pay and it's not good the mom and dad are not happy and, and that's how it is with with us as 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 people if, <laughs> we think we're getting away with it you see all these people ha- living heinously nobody gets away with it i don't care what they're doing i don't care what they see how they seem to be living right now they are going to have to come under the judgment of God at some point and when they do it's all going to come to pass be sure your sin will find you out and they are going to unfortunately have to account for a whole lot of bad and if they haven't accepted Christ as their savior that sins on them oh man and you can't blot it out you can't take it out you can't clean your soul you can't and and it's just it's a it's a sad situation unfortunately for people who choose to rebel you know, and choose to have that Pharaoh-like mentality where they just continue to be stiff-necked about the situation. There's only so much time. There's only so much time. You know, I was made aware of that yes, uh, yesterday morning when I got the call that my, my a childhood friend of mine 
he, he died. He's gone. And I don't know that he received Christ. The last conversation I had with him, he was adamant to be against the idea of Jesus Christ. He was okay with the fact that I'm going to live my life and I don't, I don't subscribe to God. You know, you can't put repentance off another day. If you do, you're just fooling yourself. The next point we see here, or not point, excuse me, but next portion in, in these two scriptures, it's, uh, there's, there's different translations. Some of your translations may say, uh, he loves us. Others of your translations may say to him who loved us. And, and, and I like this concept of to him who loved us. We know that God never stops loving us, but, but this is a beautiful uh, uh, description of Christ. And, and, you know, when you see a translation that says he loved us, it's the past tense, meaning it's pointing us back to a particular point in time. And I'm sure, again, you're sensible people. You know what it's talking about. It's talking about when he went to the cross and he died for us. The application is this. Every believer should be secure in God's love, not based on their present circumstances, which are many times difficult, but based on the ultimate demonstration of the love that God displayed, that Jesus Christ displayed upon the cross of Calvary. This in itself is worthy of praising Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The work of Jesus Christ upon the cross for us is God's ultimate proof of his love for you and I. He cannot give or show any greater proof of his love than giving his own son to die a death that only he could die to recover mankind so we could be in his bosom again and so we could be whole and so we could be full of joy and peace beyond what this world could ever uh, offer us. But it's interesting, right? Because no wonder why many believers are not secure in knowing the love of Jesus Christ towards them. It's because they look at their present circumstances to measure his love. And that's where we can get messed up in all these things that are going on in the world today in our society. It's so kooky. Because if we are so fixed on these things that seem to permeate every airway of media and every conversation. And it's always just all this just negativity. You know, we were talking about how earlier, you know, uh, there was some, whatever, some squad cars chasing somebody. And I had made the comment to Lou. I said, you know what? If you just follow the law, you probably wouldn't be in that situation. And, you know, people always want to sh- shed a bad light on the police. I saw a story on the news sometime this week, and it was an off-duty police officer, and he actually helped some lady. There was a baby that was choking in the car, and he helped save the baby's life. You know, I make that point because it's whether it's the police or anybody else, it's rare that you see that positivity and that uplifting thing. We're living in a culture and a society today where we're bombarded by negativity left and right. And everything is preying on fear and, 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 and people having anxiety and, and people, you know, lashing out and, and showing signs of hate and anger. And it's just, it's, it's, if we do not focus on what Christ did at the cross, we're going to look at our present circumstances and we're going to feel all alone and woe is me and I'm not loved when Jesus is like, dude, I love you so much. I gave my own life for you. I love you so much. I promise that I'm going to come back for you, that I'm going to rapture you from this world. I'm going to take my church 
out from this world and you're going to be with me for he- for forever in heaven. And I'm, I'm so excited when we get to the, the wedding feast because, you know, some people say, well, what are we going to be doing for that seven year period? Because this tribulation is going to be popping off. and It's going to be all bad. We're going to be partying hard with Jesus Christ. You don't think that that wedding feast is going to be one day, do you? <laughs> it's not like us. It's not like how we do things. Oh, I mean, the Jews, they would do like a two-week thing, and it would be on and popping. But, you know, when we go to heaven, I mean, we're going to be getting it in with Christ at that wedding feast for seven years, you know, doing our thing. It's going to be great. And, and, uh, but this all stems from know the measure of the love the Lord has for you. Keep your eyes fixed and focused on Christ. Do not allow the chatter of this world to derail you. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants, and, and that's the biggest thing. Amongst all this stuff about all these different movements and all these people fighting for their rights and the politics and this and that, it's a satanic spirit behind every single one of them. And if we don't have the wherewithal to understand that that's what's going on, we're going to be so frustrated every time we get another ounce of news because we're like, man, again, again. But the enemy's sitting back laughing at us like, man, look at your church, Jesus. Your church is all messed up. Your church is just, they're fumbling over each other. They don't even know what to do. I've got them in the palm of my hands. Jesus knows what's up. But that's from the enemy's perspective. That's what he's looking at. He's like, where are the solid Christians? Where are the ones that really stand on the word of God and are not shaken by the things of this world? We need to be like Job. It could be all stripped from us, and we're still going to say, Lord, naked I came into this world, naked I go out. I praise you all the more. You deserve all honor and glory. That needs to be who we are. You see, if, if we gauge God's love based on our circumstances, we're always going to vacillate from that old school, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. We're going to run out of pedals, man. You know, we're going to run out. It's not, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me. Settle the fact. Settle the fact in your heart. I'm not going to talk about this because I've already said it. <laughs> Got ahead of my notes. <laughs> but you know, hopelessness abounds in the lives of many. But we, the church, need to recognize and remember what Christ has done for us, what he continues to do for us. Man. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to know even, you know, there's an angel assigned to every one of you. You know, and I heard a pastor saying the message this morning. He said, you know, how would you, like, how, how, how would you like to really understand that and know that? You'd be a little kid. You'd be on the playground and, you know, some bully come up to you. Hey, give me your lunch money. And, you know, the angel's like, you know, you tell the angel, hey, take care of my light work. <laughs> take care of this bully for me, you know, but you have an angel assigned to you. That watches over you and, and, and protects you and enables you to come through things unscathed in the sense that evil is not going to overtake you. Man, that's a beautiful thing. What do we have to fear? Fear God. That's it. You know, I had this, again, I'll allude to it, this great conversation with a good friend of mine yesterday. And man, he, he, he just kind of shared with me where he was at and the things he was going through. He said, you know what? The Lord had to check me because I was afraid of men. I was afraid of man. I, was, I had to be honest and real with the Lord and ask him, why am I going through the things I'm going through? And the Lord showed him, because you're afraid of man. Because you don't fear God. You need to have a reverent fear for me. Don't fear men. Don't fear men. All they could do is mess your body up. They can't tarnish your soul. They can't take or touch what's eternal and real. And so we have to have that same confidence and understanding that your reverent fear of the Lord 
is rightly placed and you don't have to fear a man. You don't have to fear all this other stuff that's going on because that's what the enemy is preying on right now is people's fears. He's making people fearful of everything and it's just, it's not a good thing. We got to still live life. We can't go hide in a corner because things are going down. This is our last kind of concept here because, and probably the most important one. Jesus, to whom he loved, he loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood. This is what happened when Jesus Christ went to the cross. This is how much he loved us, that he went to the cross. He washed us clean and cleansed us from the deep stain of sin so that we are really clean before him. The application is this. If we understand our own deep sinfulness, this concept seems almost too good to be true. You see, and I, I told Michelle this uh, when, when uh, this morning, you know, m- my friend's name is Damien, who I talked to. I haven't talked to in a long time. And, you know, like I said, we we did, I mean, we did all that stuff. You know, when I was in the worst place I ever was in life from my, <laughs> my 17 year period, from my adolescence, from 15 on, that was somebody who was really close to me. And, you know, we have we have deep, dark secrets and things that we would be so ashamed to tell anybody things that we're so ashamed of, you know, and, and, and to be on the phone yesterday and to be able to look back at all that and to sit here and say, we're both saved. We, our, our souls have been saved and we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And no longer do we live in that, that way in that life. He brought up a great verse that I, I can't remember the, the actual uh, scripture, but I'll, I'll paraphrase talks about a wicked man walks and basically is always looking over his shoulder. <laughs> you know, there's nobody there. But the wicked man is constantly looking over his shoulder while, while a righteous person can walk upright and have peace. And it made me think of many times, you know, when you live a certain lifestyle, you're looking over your shoulder. You know, you lie. You're constantly looking over your shoulder. You're trying to cover your tracks because you don't want no one to find you out. When you're doing things that are not righteous and ungodly, you're constantly having to be checking to make sure you're okay. It's because the Lord's showing that sin is not good. But the fact that you can be cleansed and not ashamed anymore is a beautiful thing. First John verse one chapter uh, chapter one verse nine, excuse me, says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us." from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. Man, Daniel's so cool. I love that guy. Dude, he's on here on Zoom right now, and he just told me, you know, he's like, that's where that verse is that you're talking about, where, you know, a wicked man, he, he's constantly looking over his shoulder. Man, love you. Love you, Daniel. Love you, bro. And that's super cool, man. He's <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's like, this is, see, this is what it's about. This is the church. It's this. It's not all that other stuff. And it's not, we're not bashing on nobody, but we can't we here cannot lose this integrity what this is see because it's not about a big building it's not about great numbers it's not about that that's all deception man it's just about your real relationship with the lord you're one person but you could influence those in your spirit and that that's what it's about you know you look at the people in the hall of faith oh my goodness many of those people never got to see what what could have been come to fruition this side of heaven but it doesn't mean that god didn't love them any any less it just means your reward is great in heaven 
So you continue to be faithful. You continue to live a righteous life. You have a great reward for you in heaven. Man, many rooms and mansions. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the streets really are paved in gold. I mean, we, we make a big deal. We want to wear that stuff. <laughs> We're going to be walking on it. You know, the, 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 the gum that gets stuck on your shoe is going to be on, on that gold. That's what it's going to be like. You know, that's how it's not even a big deal. How much greater is the Lord? The fact that there's going to be no night. You don't need a night light. You don't need a lamp. You don't need all these halogen lights and bulbs and all this extreme stuff. Because the brightness of Christ, the light that emanates from Him, is going to light up that city for eternity. I can't, again, I'm hurting my mind. I need to stop talking about it because I can't explain it. All I know is that it's beyond comprehension, but it's so real. I'm about to wrap it up in a, in a, in a few moments. Uh, please just uh, bear with me. Washing us in his own blood means the ultimate sacrifice of God the Son. Again, like I alluded to earlier, if there was another way, he would have done it, but he couldn't. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 through 7 tell us, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Man, this is akin. This is, you could just teach on this. There's so much in this. Notice the order. First he loved, then he washed. It wasn't that God washed us out of some sense of duty or obligation and then he loved us because we were then clean. No, he loved us when we were dirty and then he washed us. You see, you didn't have to get right before you got saved. You and I were both a hot mess and then we got saved. We were wretches and God had mercy upon us. In fact, washing us proves his love. I'm going to end with this example. This is, this is just super cool. This idea of, you know, if you only had one pair of pants... One pair of pants, and you got them covered in paint or something you couldn't get out. You, could, you, you would only wash them and keep them for two reasons. One, you might wash them and keep them if you were poor. You basically, you don't have the money to spend to get another pair of pants, so you'd have to keep them. Or two, you would wash them and keep them because you really love the pants. I mean, you got money. You, you probably got five other pairs of pants, but those pair of pants you love so much, you, you endear them because they're your favorite pants. You see, money isn't the issue. You, you love them. You love the pants so you don't get rid of them. You put in the effort to get them clean and you use them again. Well, that's God's love for us, that he could have obliterated this world. He could have did what he did when the flood happened and start all over. But he said, you know what? I love my creation that much then I'm going to send my only son to come and give unmerited love and favor to my creation because I love you so dearly and I want you to have relation with me I want you to be reconciled to me I want you to have communion with me all time I want to be your God and I want you to be my child my son and my daughter and that's what we see may we recognize how undeserving we are at receiving the gift of salvation but how deep the Lord's love for us runs that he would sacrifice his only son that we might be reconciled to him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you again just for your 
timely word. You always speak perfectly into our lives at the exact time for what we exactly need. Thank you for the book of Revelation that points us to your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you continue to gird us in truth? Lord, help us to live out our days submitted to you. And may you raise us up for whatever your purpose is so that we can reflect the love and the light of Jesus Christ to a dying world around us. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.